Welcome to Hydrate Level 4. I'm your host, Peter. I'm your co-host, Phoenix. And today we got a special guest. Hi, my name is Phil. I am the brother of Peter and also the uncle of Phoenix. Yeah, so uh, thank you for joining us today. Oh, no problem. Um, so this is uh, another bonus episode, and uh, basically uh, the bonus episodes we do are the new movies that are coming out into the theaters. For these, we don't prepare too much. They're really just kind of instant reactions and thoughts of the movie. Uh, and before we get into anything that is spoilery, we want to kind of give um, our uh, whether or not we recommend the movie. So, Phil, you are our guest today. Why don't you go ahead and start off? All right. Well, uh, starting with the first class, I did enjoy what it was. Um, you know, a lot of us were told that it was going to be a reboot. Uh, but this movie made it seem that the first class wasn't exactly a reboot. Um, but we'll get into that later on. Uh, I personally recommend it, though. I wasn't expecting the movie to be good only because that's just how I go into movies that come out. Yeah, if you don't expect too much from this movie, you'll think it's as great as I do. Okay, very well said, sir. And Phoenix? I really like this movie, and it's. I recommend this to anybody who would in, is, is a casual fan of superhero movies, uh, especially the X-Men, if you're uh, really, really just casual, just want to see how good it is. It's, it's definitely a good movie for anyone all around. All right, and I also recommend this movie. Definitely go out, watch it before you uh, listen to this. Uh, there aren't a whole lot of reveals or anything like that, um, but there are things that you know will probably come up that may give some things away. Uh, so we will kind of discuss plots and and things that happen. Um, so again, if you haven't watched this, go out and watch it. All three of us do recommend it. And just harking back to what Phil said, uh, I went in. Not with high expectations. To be honest, I, I really did enjoy X-Men First Class. Going into this movie, there were a few things that kind of stuck in my mind. One, Brian Singer directed this. Yeah, he did one and two uh, of the X-Men movies, which I also enjoyed, but he also did Superman Returns. Um, not, you know, not one of my favorites, but probably my least favorite of any Superman <laughs> film. So... And also, usually, I'm not a big fan of a big cast of characters. So I was just kind of concerned that there was going to be way too many characters introduced. There wouldn't be a whole lot of focus uh, in anything like that. But So I went in with those kind of expectations of the movie, and I didn't, um, I'm glad to say that it wasn't anything like that. So I was really able to enjoy this, and I can say it's almost cool to like Brian Singer again. So... The, again, all three recommends, and let's uh, go ahead and get into it. Uh, and if anybody was wondering, Phil is on with us uh, via Skype, lives in another state. Uh, so this is the first time, obviously, that Hydrate Level 4 has done anything like this. So um, unfortunately, this episode is going to be the test, uh, and, and, and we'll just kind of see how it comes out. So I apologize for the quality. Uh, you know, this is all a learning experience for us, and going forward, we hope to provide you guys with the best quality of podcasts. Here's another thing I kind of want to um, bring up before we get further into it. Uh, Phil, how, on a scale of 1 to 10, how knowledgeable are you in the X-Men universe? I would probably say at least a 7 or 8. Like, I, I know enough, but I don't know too much. Okay, so would you, you, would you say you're an expert? No, okay. I would... 
Yeah, definitely not an expert. Okay, Phil, I mean Phoenix? Um, at best, I'm a six. Uh, I'm pretty knowledgeable, but I don't know too much about the X-Men universe. So you're not an expert either? No. Okay, and neither am I. We're not experts. I hope you know to throw that out, and I don't want anybody sitting there listening to us and thinking, oh, these guys don't know anything. So uh, it sounds like we're all pretty casual fans. Um, I would say I'm probably about a four on that scale. Um, there are characters in here that I don't even know. Uh, but I do um, know the general uh, storyline, I suppose, and uh, kind of the basics and stuff I saw in the cartoons growing up. Okay, so uh, so it's in the near future. No, I guess not not so near, really. Uh, yeah. But it takes place in New York City. And what do you guys um, think about the look of this future, right? It's very dark, and it looks like uh, the world has been at war for a few decades, Probably a couple decades, yeah. Um, actually, the the whole setting, like, you get this dark feeling from it. You know, that's that's something that you catch right away. And comparing it to what I remember of Days of Future Past from the cartoon, anyway, because they did have an arc about it, it's it's pretty similar. Although the cartoon wasn't as dark looking, like you don't feel you know very ominous about it. Um, you do gather though in the cartoons that it's you know it's been going on for some time now. Right. But in the movie, it seems like it's been going on much longer and there's way more casualties as you probably saw and of course all the means that are shown they're you know enslaved they're they have collars around their necks you know they're being transported so to speak right and you got a bunch of skulls all over the ground yeah um, so. kind of kind of like a terminator feeling right uh funny you said that apparently uh brian singer consulted with james cameron who's done some um you know obviously uh time travel movies at, uh, in terminator one and two and so he probably got a uh, little tips from uh james cameron himself on that so i can totally see uh see where he, that might have come from so also in here we get to see that and some of the x-men that we get to see now was uh we see uh storm uh, Wolverine, um, uh, Professor X, uh, Magneto, Magneto, Kitty Pride. Uh, oh, we also get Bishop for the first time, right? Yeah. So that's really cool. Blink, we get a Warpath, Blink, Sunspot. Warpath, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, basically, they're being chased by Sentinels at this time. Uh, and the Sentinels, they weren't what I kind of remember from the cartoons back then. Uh, they were morphing in a, a specific kind of way, which we'll kind of get into later. But um, I didn't pick that up. I did kind of find it unusual, some of the things that they were able to do. Um, and it, again, this is in the future. So they've evolved over time, obviously, uh, over decades and decades. Um, so they're being chased by the Sentinels. And... What is going on right now? Uh, Kitty Pride is running away with Bishop, right? Or fleeing, rather, yeah. And um, now the female Blink, was it? Yeah. Yes. Okay, I'm not familiar with her, but the stuff that she's doing here is awesome. Um, it kind of reminded me of an X2 where we got to see Nightcrawler, right? When he teleported and things like that. Well, Blink, she's opening up portals and uh, is allowing them to kind of escape and, and things like that. Can, any of you uh, can fill in on kind of like what, what her powers are? Well, uh, yeah. if any of you out there have seen or played the game Portal, it kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, that's, uh, it's pretty much, that's pretty much what it is. Um, her powers are actually teleportation. 
um, she can, you know, conjure up a little space of where, you know, people can go through, pass, whatever. Depending on where she sets it up, you know, it can it can affect, like, who passes through it. Just right. like Phoenix said, you know, it's like portals. You yeah, can, I think yeah. it's I think it's really awesome because there's one part where she opens up a portal as a sentinel was like punching or something, and then there's a, a second portal that's the, you see his arm coming out of. Uh, so it's a really cool effect. So it's the first time I've seen her. Um, now Warpath, right? I've never seen him before. I I have I personally have never liked him even in the cartoons. <laughs> now what <laughs> what what are his powers or? Uh, I'm not I'm not too keen on his powers, but from what I gathered, at least in the movies, he um, he's a very formal fighter. Uh, it seems though he has like really good vision. Um, that you don't see until later in the movie though, where he can scout. Because uh, I guess that's what he was there for. He was their scout. Yeah, I was gonna say that uh, that he probably had um, some some type of super scouting powers, I suppose. He he reminded me of a. Uh... Winter Soldier, also because of the makeup around his eyes too. I know that. Dimension okay. Has it too. Yeah, I could see that, but but not as in the character, just the look no, of no, him. Yeah, just the look. Yeah, I, I mean he's, I don't know. I mean he wasn't a bad character. Just I I particularly wasn't fond of him. I I mean they could have used somebody else, but they just went with Warpath. Okay, so uh, from this we now we arrive in China. Yes. Saigon, I believe. Not yet. Right? No, no, no. Yet. So Saigon is uh, is Vietnam. Um, oh, right, right. Yeah. That's so th- there's uh, in China, uh, and this is where we get a little exposition uh, of the time travel. Um, basically, Professor X is kind of giving a little history of how the Sentinels all started uh, with uh, what's his name, Trask. Bolivar Trask. Yes. Trask, yeah. Dr. Trask. So they're giving a story on that, how it all started back in 1973. Um, and they're asking Kitty Pride um, to send him back uh, to then. And she's saying that her powers, you know, she could only maybe go back a month. But the, uh, the process itself is very dangerous. And Professor X himself wouldn't be able to withstand um the the travel and its physics and he could potentially die uh so this is where wolverine kind of volunteers himself well you know what about somebody who has uh instant healing powers right so he kind of volunteers himself and you know they all think that's a pretty good idea uh and trask now he is played by uh peter dinklage any of you guys familiar with him at all I am sort of familiar with him, but only because of Game of Thrones. Right. And Phoenix? I'm not at all, no. Okay, yeah, he's uh, uh, well-known for Game of Thrones. For those that follow that, obviously, he has a very big role in there playing uh, Tyrion Lannister. But, uh, Phoenix, you might know him from Elf. Uh, He played the author of the books, you know, kind of Buddy attacks him in one scene. No. No. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Peter, Peter Dinklage plays uh, uh, Bolivar Trask, right? Yeah. So he is the guy, uh, the mastermind behind the Sentinel program. Um, basically, he's created these uh, Sentinels, uh, which are very large machines that can detect uh, mutants, and um, basically to to rid of them. And he is uh, he had to go through Congress, which at first they they don't um, approve his. Uh, project and so so that doesn't quite uh, go the way he wanted it to uh, but in that future so 
Wolverine, um, he lays down and Kitty Pride kind of talks him through the process of what they're going to have to do. She explains that he needs to clear his mind and kind of kind of keep it under control while he is back in the past because if he starts to flip out and lose control, he could potentially slip and come back um, back to the future and and not have changed what he needed to change. Uh, so we'll get this a little bit later on, but why this is so important is once he comes back, that means everything has changed. Okay, while he is still in the past, nothing will change until he actually comes back because the mission will have been completed. Or failed. Or failed. So as long as he's still in the past, anything can happen. That's why things don't happen around them in the future as things are happening in the past. For example, let's say Magneto gets shot. Well, he's not going to die instantly in the future because he may not have died yet and uh, since Wolverine is still in the past, you know, he could have prevented a lot of other things and et cetera, et cetera. Kind of hard to explain. Um, it's uh, it's actually kind of explained um, a little bit when, when Wolverine does get into the past, but I'll, I'll get into that when we actually get to that point. Okay. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and pick it up from when uh, Wolverine arrives in 1973. Uh, and this is probably, probably our one and only nude scene. Wolverine stands up and he's in the buff. You guys have any uh, opinions on this scene right here when he first arrives? Nope. Purely fan service. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, no, it's it's pretty obvious. It was just for fan service. Okay. So what do you guys think about this scene when um these guys walk in and apparently uh Wolverine gets up and there's a woman that he had been uh, sleeping with overnight and the guys walk in and say you're supposed to be protecting the boss's um, daughter not sleep with her and uh so there's a little fight here that ensues. Uh and so Wolverine um pulls out the claws and realizes that they're still bone. Yeah, actually that was a uh, that was pretty surprising to me um because I I thought at that point he'd already have his adamantium claws. Right. But when the bone claws came out, I was like, oh, hey, you know, that's actually pretty neat because... Right, so that so that tells yeah. you a few things right there. Um, now, I, I forgot to mention that uh, Kitty Pride told him, you know, this also works out best that he's going in there because uh, he... It's not his body that they're sending back in time. It's his conscious. So... If they sent, let's say they sent Kitty Pride. Well, she wasn't born yet, so you can't send her conscious back there into her, you know, negative 20-year-old self. So that's why Wolverine works the best. And it's funny because when was the first time we saw those bone claws? Wasn't it in the Wolverine origin? But that's that's what I thought when I saw the bone claws. Uh, I was like, oh, okay, you know, just kind of like the Wolverine movie. And I think that might have been the only time we've seen it, really, because it is an or, um, an origins movie for him. Uh, so so we'll we'll kind of put that on the back burner for now because that'll, that'll come up a little bit later. Um, so he pulls out the bone claws and then he fights all these guys. Uh, it was pretty quick and, and uh, he was able to kind of um, beat them all up. And he took uh, one of the guys' keys. So he steps outside and he gets to see the 70s. And uh, he finds the guy's car and he takes off. Oh, actually, um, I do want to add to that fight scene. Uh it was it was a little trivia thing that I, I researched a bit because I was a little curious about the movie. When he gets shot by the bullets, uh, you know, from the from the thugs or whatever. The Big Dipper. Yeah, it actually is in the form of a Big Dipper, um, and it pays homage to a character from Fist of the North Star*. Oh, okay. Uh, and now, 
kind of piggybacking on that. Well, I don't have anything to add, but yeah, he does get shot. And I think this is like one of the coolest um, visuals is is how, you know, his uh, his uh, wounds are healing and all the rounds pop out of his body. So I, I don't know off the top how old um, uh, Hugh Jackman is right now, but the guy is just he is ripped. Um, probably like the biggest I've ever seen him. Yeah, he, uh, he's pretty veiny too. Like you can tell this guy keeps his body in check. Right. Okay, um, and I think uh, it goes on to Saigon, right, which is in Vietnam. So we're in the middle of the, the Vietnam War. We're actually towards the end of it. Um, the, we get uh, Mystique. Well, we don't know it's Mystique first, but uh, it's a colonel who's kind of walking through, and he is going to where some of the mutants are being held captive. And as he's walking through, we get to see some of the returning uh, characters from X-Men First Class, right? There was a... It was just one guy from first class. It's uh, Havoc, actually, Alex Summers. Yeah, and then and then we see uh we see Toad. Uh, yeah, a new Toad. A, a new Toad, yes. Um, I think one of the characters was Penance. Uh, I could be wrong. And then I don't know the fourth guy that was there. Uh, the one that was um. Actually, I don't even know which one would be the Porcupine. It. Yeah, the let's just call him Hedgehog. Now, wasn't wasn't there one in X Men uh, Last Stand too that was like that? It was a bad guy, though. Oh, I wonder, well, aren't these guys also bad? Not Havoc, but Toad is, yes. Or at least becomes, rather. Okay, so this scene, she's kind of rescuing the mutants um, to get them out of there. Uh, in comes Major Stryker. So we get a young William Stryker, obviously. Um, and at this point, he's not quite as menacing as he is as we get to know him in the future. But there's a little fight in here too. Yeah, it's a uh, striker striker versus the supposed commander who we find out is Mystique, because striker I, he gets orders that he's supposed to take these mutants into like some facility, which of course Mystique does not want to happen. So a fight ensues. Yeah, so they're they're able to escape, and Mystique was able to kind of lead them all into uh, um. A plane and they were all able to leave right and yeah. so they leave and she stays behind and uh, I guess she has some other stuff to take care of so now we get back to the US um, more specifically uh, Logan we'll call him Logan for now he arrives to what's supposed to be the um, uh, Professor X's uh, school and the sign was on the ground so at first, I'm like, how do they already have a sign? But we find out that the school was uh, functioning, right? And then, you know, stuff happened, and then they were kind of forced to close down. So so I was a little confused at first because I thought the school came a little bit later. So he did start the school, and uh, due to – did they drop what happened? Yes, actually, they did mention that. Um, I believe it was Charles who mentioned it to Vereen, um well, it was either Charles or Beast. Actually, I don't remember who said it, but they said that uh, it was because of the Vietnam War. A lot of the instructors and students were drafted. Okay. There's not much they can do about that. Well, I totally missed that. Um, yeah. Okay, so so Logan is there, and uh, the door opens up, and it's Hank McCoy. 
right? Who is uh, who is Beast in the future? So we got him from X Men First Class. So he opens up, and Logan says, "Hey, you know, I want to see the professor." Logan or uh, Hank says that uh, there is no professor there. So they kind of go back and forth a little bit. Logan lets himself in, and then we get uh, Professor X. So he comes down the stairs. Uh, at this point, he's called Charles. Um, he doesn't even want to be called the professor, and he looks rugged. Uh, the man, uh, his hair isn't you know even combed. He's got a uh, you know beard and. Um, just looks, uh, looks like he's been through some stuff. You know, he's obviously curious as to why Logan's even there. Logan tells him, you know, that he is sent from the future by him, uh, and they need to stop Mystique. So just, well, Raven, uh, who is actually what, uh, her real name is, but, uh, this actually hits a spot with Professor X. Um, sort of. Uh, I was actually... I mean, maybe it's just me. I, I was a little confused as to that, this particular scene because uh, as we gather from first class, you know, uh, Charles and Raven are best friends. and They're like brother and sister. Yeah, well, he sees her as a sister, but she saw him more than that. It's just, you know, it wasn't reciprocated, of course. But uh, from this particular scene, the reason why it was confusing to me was because the way he spoke of her, even though he still kind of said, you know, she was like a sister to me, it felt more than that, like... You're you're kind of given this idea that he like or loved her, I should say, more than a sister, but he wasn't being very vocal about it. Yeah, and, so he yeah, he's heartbroken because of the way things went down. He felt very betrayed by her because she had sided with um uh with Eric in the last one who is Magneto. And so um Charles he does start to kind of, you know, remember Wolverine a little bit because he says, you know, you, you remind me of somebody and, and kind of makes a reference to uh, First Class where there was that uh, montage when Eric and Charles were going around trying to uh, recruit mutants and they run into uh, uh, Logan who's sitting in a bar and uh, tells him to F off. So uh, to take a word, uh, you what you just said, um, Charles kind of reciprocates the... Uh, uh, back and says f you uh, yeah. and tells him to leave i do know that this is also the same scene where we do learn uh how how come charles does not have his powers and that's because hank uh, created a serum that uh it it takes away his powers as a side effect so that way he doesn't feel the pain in his leg and allows him to walk yeah right because in the first movie or i'm sorry let me take that back. X-Men First Class in that movie, the way that ends is that um, uh, Charles gets shot by a round in the, in the back. Well, what happens is uh, Maura Taggart, she fires shots at, at um, Magneto, and he's deflecting the shots. Uh, unfortunately, the last shot that he deflects happens to be towards the direction of Charles Xavier's back, or lower spine, rather. So that kind of uh, paralyzes him, and he was unable to walk. Uh, so that's why Logan's a little kind of thrown off, because he expected Charles to be in a wheelchair, but he's walking. So again, the serum allows him to walk, but it also takes away the powers as a side effect. I don't know if this is the exact scene, or it just kind of follows it, but uh, Logan does mention that not only was it Charles that sent him down there, it was also Eric Magneto. So... He tells Charles that they are friends in the future and that we also, Magneto, that he's going to play a big part uh, in what's going to affect the future. 
So Charles says, uh, well, we first need to get him out. Uh, Magneto is kind of imprisoned in probably one of the most difficult places to break out of, which is about 100 floors beneath the Pentagon. So heavily uh, armed and guarded, and uh, so very difficult to get him out of. So they make a little trip, and they go uh, recruit the assistance of Petro... Maximoff. Maximoff, who is also uh, Quicksilver. Quick little thing about that. It's actually, in this movie, it's not Petro. It's uh, Peter. 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 Right. So there's uh, some speculation from a lot of fans... Um, that this might not actually be the Quicksilver, but in their universe, it's their Quicksilver. And I'll, I'll get a little bit more into that as well. Um, but this is definitely a Peter, not a Pietro. Okay, um, yeah. I know they say Peter, but and I know that the character is Pietro, so, so I wasn't yeah. quite sure. Uh, so thank you for that. And uh, anybody have any thoughts about this scene, about the introduction of Quicksilver? I uh, actually, I wasn't expecting it to be as good it was, as it was. Uh it was pretty funny. Yes, it was actually it was pretty comedic. Um, I was really skeptical about Quicksilver's appearance in this movie because I wasn't sure how they were gonna do it. Uh, but the way they portrayed him, you know, is he's a delinquent. Like he, you know, he steals. He uh, gets in trouble with the cops a lot as as we gather evidence because his mom mentions it um, with because she assumes that they're cops, even though they never said they were. And we are given this idea that. Uh, the Quicksilver here, he he talks really fast. Like that's that's who he is. He doesn't slow down. He doesn't care to slow down. And every time he moves, it's always using his powers. You know, his super speed. Right. And uh, what's really funny is they um, the basically basically the way they entice him into assisting them is saying that we're gonna um, get you to break into the Pentagon. So that definitely uh, piques his interest. And he, well, I, this is what I thought was funny was he questions why would he do something so illegal? And they all start looking around, and you see like all these stolen items. There's stacks of Hostess uh, can, uh, um, you yeah, know, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of little dessert boxes, yeah, and even TVs, yeah, radios, so, things like that. bunch of stolen stuff. So, so the guy is already you know a criminal. Uh, so I just thought that was really funny. So the scene at the Pentagon. Quicksilver walks in and he is able to make it in, you know, kind of tapes up this guard uh, inside the elevator. So it's really funny, too, because we see him pull out a roll of duct tape, but it cuts to the door opening, uh, the elevator opening, and he's already in the guard's uniform. And then you pan over to the guard and he's taped up all over the wall of the elevator. Yeah, that scene was actually pretty cool and pretty funny. Uh, It's, um... It shows it shows what he's really capable of in terms of speed. Like, you know, it's it's not it's not too embellished, but it's it's just right. Like, you just know that he's that fast; he can do it in such a small time. Yeah, it's it's really funny, but I wonder if uh, the role he had even had that much tape, because uh, that's <laughs> a lot of tape. That's that that's must true, have been yes. a few rolls of duct tape, really. Um, but so he's walking down this really long corridor and, uh, you know, he's, he's nervous, right? He's holding a a tray of food that he is to deliver to Magneto, Eric, and he gets to this door, uh, and the door leads him to a cell. I don't know. There you go. That's the word I'm looking for. (laughs) It leads to a cell and it's kind of, I don't know how deep it is, but it's deep enough. But above the cell are, uh, windows and I want to assume that they're bulletproof because the way 
uh, Quicksilver shatters it is he puts his hands on the glass and he vibrates so fast that he's able to shatter it. I, I gotta, you know, you gotta think that the glass gotta be um, pretty sturdy, right? That that nothing could just shatter it. That he has to do it this particular way. Otherwise, he maybe he would have jumped on it to break it. But it's also kind of showcasing his powers a little bit. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he vibrates it hard, uh, fast and hard enough that it shatters the glass, and he is able to to get Eric out. So uh, obviously, Eric knows that he is there to help him escape, and uh, so. So we get a little funny exchange with um, uh, Quicksilver and Eric. So in order to to get out, the door uh, to the cell was gonna open up, and Eric mentions that when this door opens up, you know there's gonna be a lot of guards. They're gonna be ready to shoot, et cetera, et cetera. So Quicksilver is standing there, and he's got his hand behind. Uh, he's he's got his hand behind Eric's head. <laughs> Eric looks at him. He's like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "You know, this is this is to prevent the, the whiplash." And he's like, "What?" It the, the Peter's like, "Whip." Flash. <laughs> uh, he got a really big chuckle from the audience. Um, but the, uh, the the doors open to the cell, and um, you know they just zoom right out of there. Right, they get to the elevator, and in here we get a little back and forth. And Quicksilver's like, "Yeah, you know, you must have done something pretty uh, pretty crazy to be, to to be held here." And he says that uh, he killed the president, JFK. Which which got a little laugh also out of uh, out of the audience, and it's so funny because uh, we just recently did uh, James and I anyway we recently did a uh, bonus podcast of Godzilla, and in there I mentioned how I kind of like how some of these movies they're starting to kind of incorporate real world uh, history into um, things in the movie. So the JFK assassination was a pretty big deal, and you know it's still quite a, uh, a head scratcher really as far was there you know one person involved two people there's still a lot of, uh, unknowns at this point but the the one big thing out of it was the quote-unquote magic bullet where people are saying that there must have been a second person because of how um jfk got shot from the back and all the exit wounds from the round it just wasn't lining up correctly and how the bullet was all bent and all these things well they're saying that magneto was the one that killed him but we later on find out that you know uh eric he says that he didn't kill him that he was trying to save him and again we'll get there a little bit later but they're saying that the magic bullet uh theory was was due to uh to eric here uh so once they reach to the top, we get probably one of the coolest scenes in the entire movie. Uh, this is the, the slow motion of Quicksilver's powers. So once they got up to the top, doors opened up. There waiting was Charles, there was Logan, and all these officers walk in. And then Quicksilver, he, uh, everything is slowed mode. Phil, do you want to take over what, what he does? Uh, yeah, actually, um, so basically, we, again, you know, revisit Quicksilver's powers, but we see it more in depth. Uh, what happens when he, you know, goes into slow-mo, everything literally just, well, I wouldn't would say freezes, but everything slows down so dramatically that he's moving so fast, everything else is moving probably, like, maybe a millionth of a second or something like that. And, and let me throw one thing out, too. At, at this instance... There are quite a few shots that had just been fired, 
and they're all moving very slow-mo at uh, different directions, too. Uh, most of them are actually going towards uh, our main characters. What happens here, as, as Peter mentioned, you know, they're being shot at by, uh, by plastic guns, I guess. I, I'm not really too sure what the material is. Yeah, that they're was plastic. Never really explained. Yeah, okay. So they're being fired at already. Like, when Quicksilver goes into his super slow-mo thing, the shots have already been fired. But what he does is, you know, he, he goes into a little, into like a little, um, I guess, uh, I wouldn't really say like a playground kind of thing, but he, he, he go, you know, he has fun with it. So he's messing with the guards. He's posing them like little mannequin-like sculptures. You know, he's making one guy punch himself, and then he's making two guys smack themselves with their own pistols. Uh, he even moves bullets out of the trajectory of, you know, towards Charles and the others, like, out of the way. Like, all he does is, like, he pinches the bullet and just moves it. You know, so simple. Didn't he even dip his finger in, like, some macaroni sauce? or? Yeah, it was, all, it's like, some, some weird sauce that was flying. Like, he was, you know, as we kind of see in the trailer, he's running up on the walls, and as he's running on the walls, you know, there's this huge pot of soup or something, and then, like, he happens to, you know, just, like, flick his finger through it and chomp on it, so... Uh, but I mean, the, the entire scene, you know, it's, it was well played. Um, I liked everything about it, especially, especially, you know, the reposing of everybody, because when he actually deactivates the slow-mo, everything that he did obviously speeds up to normal speed. And like, for instance, the guy that punches himself, he goes flying. And then the two guys, they go flying. So everything that he did, you know, it just, boom, amplified, like normal speed. Okay, and then after that, we uh, we go to Paris, and we see uh, Mystique. She's in her um, her normal self as Raven, and here they the big event uh, the big event in Paris is that they're gonna sign some kind of peace treaty, right? Right. So this is a uh, between Vietnam and in France, um, and here she tries to what does she do with this uh, this uh, Vietnamese? Uh, commander. She knocks him out. Well, no, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to put into words like what is she doing? Because later on she seduces him, so she is trying to to gain the interest of a uh, a Vietnamese uh, commander. Basically, she takes him or she gets him to take her up to his room, where she then reveals herself as Mystique, and she kind of takes him out. Later on, during the signing of the peace treaty, she is there as him. So everybody, Charles, Logan, and Eric, they were all able to arrive uh, just in time before uh, Mystique was able to to take down Trask, right? So that's why she's there, because Trask is there too, isn't he? Right. Yes. Yes, he is. Okay. So so she knew he was going to be there, and she uh, her intent was to kill him, because they, they got to her first, didn't they? Didn't Eric and Charles get to her first? She's about to assassinate... Trask, um, and then they show up like just in the nick of time and end up stopping her. Now, was she there to assassinate him because what she kind of was told about the future, or was it because of some of the other stuff that he was um, experimenting on with the other mutants? I, I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest, because uh, we we are told like when you know in the future by the others that um, it all started when she eliminated Trask. So, I don't think at this point in the movie we find out exactly why, but we know that she is going to, or tries to, rather. 
you also see that uh, uh, Major Striker is also there, right? So Major Striker, he shoots uh, the taser, right, at Mystique and kind of takes her down. And they were able to get that off. And uh, Eric kind of manipulates the the metal, obviously, to to shoot himself. So now you got Striker on the ground, tasered. Logan looks down, sees the guy, and immediately he gets flashbacks of everything that happened to him, which I uh, I don't know if it was from the Wolverine movie. Or... I think it was a little bit of both. Uh, it could have been from the Wolverine movie, or not? No, no, no not the Wolverine. Uh, Wolverine Origins, right? Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking of. Was was from that scene? But you're you're saying that maybe it was from X two? Yes. Uh, a lot of the scenes that were shown were from definitely from X two because. Uh, it, it does show a little bit of Striker as well, and Striker that was shown there at least was from X two. Oh right, the, the actor from X two, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so so now he's getting the flashbacks, and now he's kind of get what I'm kind of um, uh, describing as kind of like PTSD. So he's getting these bad flashbacks. So now this is what Kitty Pride kind of warned him about, right? So his mind is starting to slip because now he can't keep it under control. Mm-hmm. He's getting these visions, and it's, uh, it's affecting him so bad that he. They're starting to lose him, and he's kind of coming back. He actually does come back, right? Uh, because right. Uh, because the 1973 Logan's conscious is now back because he looks at Professor uh, or uh, Charles Xavier and is like, you know, who are you? And so so immediately you immediately you know that he's kind of back, and this kind of puts a, a little monkey wrench in in of it all. Well, what else happens here? So Mystique escapes. She jumps out the window. And as Meg, uh, Eric is, um, did, did he shoot a gun at her? Because I know he makes a bullet go after her. I think what happens is someone someone shot her in the leg, and he takes out the bullet to. Well, it it, it was him. Well, yeah, someone shoots her in the leg, but I know he uses the bullet and like makes it hit her. But he's the one that makes it hit her leg. Uh, him being Eric, aka Magneto. But, but I don't remember if he was the one that personally shot it. Yeah, you know what's funny is um when when uh when Charles realizes that the seventy three uh, Logan was back, he was trying to explain what was going on and then just kind of gave up and goes, "You're on acid." Yeah, <laughs> you're on a really that, bad. That trip. was actually pretty funny in my opinion. It was. Uh, it was bit... Yeah. <laughs> so Charles throws it out. Yeah, you're on acid. Um. But uh, outside Mystique, she is uh, so she is now outside of whatever building they were at, and there's all these people out in the public. There's people filming, reporters, and all this stuff. There are a lot of eyes going on uh, or watching what's going on uh, right now, and so so this kind of gives a, a glimpse to the world, uh, a first glimpse at uh, at the mutants, right? So now people are kind of seeing that. These type of people exist. Um, they aren't labeled mutants yet, but the fact that these people exist, they pose, uh, uh, they possibly pose a threat to to society and mankind. So already off the top, this is not looking good for them. Eric comes out. He's you know um, he comes out, and Hank kind of goes into beast mode, figuratively and literally. Goes into beast mode, and now he's kind of uh, beating up on Eric to to give Mystique n- not a chance to escape, but just to make sure that he doesn't kill her. Um, but she she does escape, right? She even transforms into uh, you know just a regular guy out in the crowd, so that way they couldn't spot her 
Um, and what else happens here? Uh, Charles and Charles and Logan, what happened there? It, it cuts to the future. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, it, it does. Um, so, actually, this, this happens a little bit when we were discussing about the whole like, Wolverine, you know, snapping out and whatnot. Uh, it goes back to the future where he, his, his current body is being, um, well, not being, tweaking out, rather. And his claws, you know, they, they protract. And he's like starts flinging his his hands around and ac- accidentally stabs Kitty Pride, which um, is part of the reason why he was losing consciousness in in the in the past. So yeah, I mean, so how so, how is he able to come back though? It's kind of like how did they get it under control? Did they just give him more time to kind of like focus? She got her she got her con her what's concentration back? Yeah, um, she she was trying to withstand the pain, obviously because she had literally just got stabbed by Wolverine and um so because of the pain she was losing focus but she eventually got it back after some time and that's pretty much it okay so now we're back at the school and this is where we get uh Charles doesn't think think that this this is going to work out so Logan is trying to convince him hey you know you you got to have faith and you know, I believe that this is uh this is gonna work out. And he admits that he's not the man for this job. That he only had to come because he was the only one that was capable of withstanding the pain and and um you know not not gonna die you know if anything happened. So Logan wasn't able to to get to him. And the way he got to him was he, you know he wanted Charles to use his powers. And at the same time, his uh, uh, Charles's pain was coming back, and he was actually demanding, uh, you know, a syringe of that serum uh, from Hank. And you know, we actually think that he was about to go ahead and inject himself, but he didn't. So he kind of kind of gives it a moment, and Logan is uh, able to convince him to kind of like use his powers. And you know, there's somebody. Uh, Logan says that you know, there's somebody that can you know, talk you through this. You know, I'm not the guy, but I know a guy. So Charles uses his powers, and he's able to see, you know, Logan's past and and future and kind of see what goes on there. But he then gets his conscious, um, uh, conscience into the future, uh, present time, uh, Logan's present time. So he then meets his, uh, his future self, which I think is really awesome that uh, young Charles was able to meet, you know, the older Professor X. So here we get them, um, some, you know, some more talking, and and old Charles is able to kind of convince him, hey, you know, you're the guy for the job, uh, you know, this stuff must happen to to prevent, you know, basically the annihilation of uh, mutants in the future. Um, so from then we we you know he comes back, and then they go to Cerebro. We have not seen Cerebro in a few movies, right? Right. So uh, apparently it hadn't been used in a while, so he had to dust it off, and uh, so he puts it on, and you hear all the cries and the pains of all the other mutants uh, around the world, and they were able to locate Mystique, and she is in D.C., or at least she's going to. So where she's at now, she's at a, was it a train station or a plane station? Uh, airplane, airport, airport. Okay, so she's at an airport, and... Uh, Charles is using his powers to 
uh, jump from person to person, basically trying to convince her to come back home, you know, to to stop what she is trying to go do, you know, uh, which is uh, assassinate Trask. So he's jumping from from person to person and was uh, unsuccessful at convincing her to to stop. And he does find out that she is heading to Washington D.C. So we get um, oh actually so right after this we see Eric who is now Magneto right he's he he was able to go get his helmet uh, and and again his helmet prevents. Uh, Charles from getting into his head, right, to manipulate him and things like that. So that that protects him. So now he's wearing the helmet and it protects him. And uh, Magneto is on this train where all the Sentinels are. Trask was able to get the approval of his Sentinel program uh, ever since the the review of the mutants into the public. Um, so then we got uh, uh, Richard Nixon, who's the president at that time. He was able to give the green light to Trask. To start the program up, right? To create these Sentinels, to find these mutants and and rid of them. Uh, so on this train, you got all these, all these Sentinels. And a thing that was mentioned is that these Sentinels are made of, they're not made of metal. They're made of a, a type of. It's a like a, ta- a space age uh, material, I believe. I I remember that word being used, but I don't remember the actual like. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, yeah, I remember that part too. So yeah, so okay, so none of us knows the exact material, but we know it's kind of uh, space age, uh, some really high tech uh, uh, material, right? So it's not made of metal. So the importance of that is is that Magneto cannot man- uh, manipulate it. So what he does is he gets on this train, and he takes the the rails from the tracks that they've already uh, um, you know passed through, and he was able to turn them all into strings, and then had them go uh, inside the Sentinel. That way he can control them, right? So he made um, the train tracks into basically little uh, metallic wires, and he was able to wire it all along the Sentinels. Basically makes it like the blood for the uh, Sentinels so that he can control it. Right. Uh, And then now we arrive in Washington, D.C. The President Nixon, he is about to give a... uh, not a presentation, but reveal these the Sentinels. He wants to show the public that they have um, basically a contingency plan for uh, any possible attacks from these mutants or uh, anything like that. So the, he wanted to show the world that he's got something uh, to protect them. So while he's revealing this, we get uh, uh, Mystique. She's there in the form of, uh, I think, a Secret Service agent. Um, Hank... Charles uh, and Logan, they all arrive, and Magneto, he is over at some kind of baseball stadium. Now, he uh, raises it, and this is a really cool effect. Anybody have any thoughts on any of this? No. Uh, no, not really. Okay, so he raises up the stadium, and it's a really cool visual, and he takes it over and drops it um basically over the white house so so now that way the uh the white house is basically um guarded yeah it's guarded by the stadium so that way people can't just come in they'd really have to climb over the stadium uh so now mystique she wants to assassinate trask and uh McNeil comes in he was trying to kill the humans i believe so I guess basically Magneto kind of reverts to his old self, um, as in you know, 
he is for the mutants and against the humans. He turns all the cameras uh, towards him, and he's kind of putting it out there that, uh, you know, they're going to take over, you know, that they're basically going to take over the world and that uh, the humans are basically going to be in their way. Uh, gives this uh, pretty pretty bad um, image. Yeah, of, of the of the mutants. What's going on here? What happened to Logan? Oh, okay. So he gets, he gets impaled by like these little uh, concrete bars that are inside the the concrete of the stadium. I think. Yeah, there, then... there's these uh the, the blocks. The concrete blocks have um the metal bars, and uh-huh. Magneto was able to manipulate those and kind of uh wrap up uh, Logan's arms and legs, and then he kind of flings them um you know out into the ocean, uh, not the ocean, but into the river uh, in DC there. And so now he's underwater and basically is going to drown. Um, Xavier, he got pinned by uh, some of the structures uh, from the stadium. And McCoy, what happened to McCoy? He, uh, he gets he was, flung into a car. Yeah, he was finding a sentinel and crashed through a windshield. Yeah, and actually the way he gets thrown into the car is actually pretty pretty neat. Because he gets tossed through the rear side uh, window. Like perfectly, you know, he doesn't he doesn't hit anything else. It's just perfectly through the glass and into the backseat. Yeah. And I thought I thought that was pretty interesting and cool at the same time because you would think that especially because it's beast that he would do a little bit more damage to the car, but it's just like nope, slip in, call it good. Yeah. There, there's one thing I forgot to mention that I was gonna say that we were gonna get to, um, but at the scene where uh, Mystique was shot, she left blood on the ground. They were able to take that. Um, blood of hers and kind of uh, you know do some research on the DNA and they were going to use that um, to to kind of they were going to take her DNA and kind of basically upgrade the technology of the Sentinels. That's what does research and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. So that will uh, that's going to eventually allow them to kind of shapeshift like Mystique um, uh, in the future is kind of what we what we saw uh, in the opening of the movie. So, so the Sentinels in the future adapt to pretty much any mutant power. Yeah. Yeah. So everything just looks like it's going wrong for for everyone. What happens? I. It's a really long scene. Um. What happens? Okay. Uh. So what happens is during the scene, Richard Nixon basically comes out of you know the little cell block thing that everybody is just kind of backed up against because Magneto is, you know, he has guns fired at them. Uh, and he's, you know, trying to, I guess, I won't really say negotiate with Magneto, but he's trying to come to terms with or something. Yeah, and, and, and just throwing out real quick, but as, as that uh, uh, Nixon was coming out, you see that there's another Nixon hiding on the inside. So we kind of, uh, we know that this is Magneto, right? or Mystique, right? Mystique, yeah. At this point, we already know it's Mystique because Richard Nixon, he's he's staring at this other, you know, himself, basically. And he's just like, wait, what the hell? Like, you know, he's just kind of observing and he's watching. And this this is where this is where you know the whole image of mutants starts to change because he's watching another mutant, you know, protect humankind by by well, I mean, she's the only one by sheep shifting into himself. And you know, because it's the president, he's the one that's trying to protect all the humans as well. And we know that through you know the course of the movie, just watching. Right. And so him seeing, you know, Magneto trying to terrorize the humans and whatnot, and then seeing another mutant rise up, it's just like, well, you know, how should I feel about this? Because 
there's supposedly a threat, but here's one trying to save us. Yeah. Uh, and then, what what does Mystic do to him? She shoots him in the neck. Oh, that's right. She, yes, she she shoots him in the neck with uh, with a plastic gun, I believe, stolen from Striker, or something. She has access to it. Yeah. And uh, you know, for she, for a split second, I thought she killed him. Yeah, I did too. Actually, um, that was actually a huge like uh, plot twist when when you think that she killed him, but really she didn't. Yeah. But what she does is she purposely misses her shot. Uh, you know, shoots him to where it's not fatal, where he can still talk and breathe and yada, yada, yada. But not, you know, nothing, nothing fatal. permanent. Well, yeah, nothing fatal, but nothing permanent either. So right. it, would, it would show up as like a, a minor, well, I guess a minor scar. Yeah. So, so at this point, um, she removes his helmet, allowing Charles to do his work. And Charles was able to kind of, uh, you know, uh, get into his head and um, they... They ended up arresting Magneto, and Charles was... Uh... Well, actually, no, 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 they they don't arrest Magneto. What what happens is, Charles Xavier, you know, he takes control of Magneto, and he seemingly is handing him over to the people, but decides last second to not. And then what happens is, um, Magneto, a.k.a. Eric, he realizes that he could have easily been, you know, handed over just by mind control because of Charles Xavier. And instead of doing so, he gives him a choice, which, you know, cues the whole conversation between the two where he says, you know what they'll do to me. And I believe Charles is like, yes, I do. And they talk a little bit more. And at that point, Manuel chooses to flee instead. Yeah. And uh, Charles also uses... um... Uh, Magneto to free himself from all the rubble to uh, yes. his powers. Um, so so Hank uh, so Hank is fine. Um, the only one we see that is still uh, that still needed help was Logan, and we kind of think that he's he has drowned uh, in the water. Where does it go from here? Mutants getting slaughtered. Yeah, it it pretty much what happens from then because you know eric leaves and whatnot and you know nobody dies you know the humans don't get killed nobody else dies uh mystique is still alive and basically what happens from then on it shoots back to the forward of you know the current well the supposed current timeline where where um to buy a little bit more time i guess this is where um the x-men literally have the last stand where they're trying to trying to protect kitty and Logan and you know the others while they're still trying to hope that the future can still be saved. So what happens here? Um, you know all the people that were there, you know Sunspot, Blink, uh, Warpath, and Iceman. They're they're trying to battle the Sentinels. Oh well, Colossus as well. And of course, just like in the very beginning, it doesn't go well because left and right, each hero is dying one at a time. Uh, Storm has already been gone at this point. Um, you know, she gets impaled and tossed overboard. Yeah, Colossus. They they pull him apart. That part yeah, really made me. That was it was pretty. Witness. It was cringeworthy. Yeah, it uh it definitely made me go ooh. You know that definitely had to hurt because uh, Colossus. You know he's he's a pretty beefy guy and he's I wouldn't say indestructible, but it definitely will take a lot for him to you know. Yeah, yeah they tore him. Like yeah, they tore him in half. Bishop yeah. exploded. Yeah, Bishop overloaded with the amount of power because I. I guess his power. I don't know too much about Bishop other than the fact that he's a time traveler. Yeah. But uh, I, I suppose he he 
absorbs energy and then turns it into kinetic energy, which powers him up and allows him to, you know, do what he does. So because he was taking it, you know, a mass overload of, of different forms of energy and stuff, I guess he just combusted. Uh, and then Sunspot, you know, he tries to do some things. He gets dissembered, and then he, uh, what happened? He, I, f- I forgot how he dies. I forgot how he dies. I think he, I think he blasted. I don't. I don't remember. He. I just. I just know the December minute, and then he dies shortly after that. Yeah. So um, Kitty Pride was given enough time. Uh, oh yeah. And at this time, Blink was also doing you know the the whole uh, portal thing too. Uh, yeah. And which I still think is one of the coolest visuals in the entire movie. Uh, but they were uh, they were able to buy enough time. Um, and and before, uh, see, Professor X was outside, so the Sentinel almost got him. And then Blink opened up a portal to put him back on the inside. And before you think that uh, everything's just going to go to crap, um, everything just vanishes. And it, it just goes complete silence. And, and uh, everything disappears. And then I guess uh, Logan kind of wakes up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just wakes up. Uh, and it's in a similar fashion to in the beginning when he wakes up, except, you know, he's not with another girl. The same um, song is even playing. Yeah, and and it's it's kind of inferred at this point that it, he's definitely in a, different, in a different place because, you know, he's not in some raggedy motel. Um, his little alarm clock or music player or whatever it is, it's it's obviously, you know, in the future because it, it shows like a holograph. Yeah, it shows a holograph. And it even shows, you know, the name of the song and whatnot. Golden Oldies. Oldies. That's right. So I guess maybe it's like a feature Pandora station or something. Um, and then, so he goes outside and sees that the school is still functioning. Uh, it's not in that post-apocalyptic look that we got in the very beginning of the movie. So this is where everything kind of comes full circle. Um, and what I mean by that is this, uh, this movie, it allows the filmmakers to not really tie up loose ends but connect all these movies using the uh, you know the means of time travel and things like that because uh, we see uh, here's the thing it was kind of uh, widely known that rogue was going to be in the movie well she got cut out but we do see rogue um, running around in the school with uh, uh, with Bobby right so they're about to run off she kind of looks over at logan she gives them you know a little smile and then kind of walks off so we get to see a lot of the um the characters that we had just witnessed died um but also at the school uh he also sees uh, kitty pride walk by um and then he goes into that's no no she she's actually teaching not kitty pride yeah she's teaching alongside uh, Colossus. uh Colossus. Colossus. right 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 yeah he gives him a little nod yeah Okay, that's right. And then what happens from here on? He's he's you know walking down the corridor. He's seeing all these other mutants that I personally couldn't make out because there was nothing too uh, significant about. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there. So as far as we know, they they are mutants for sure because it's you know Xavier School, but we don't know who they are. Um, but then you know Hank McCoy shows up and he's like he makes a comment about um, Wolverine you know oversleeping, you know laughs and just. Which is also the same, um, the same beast from X two, or was it X3, last time? Last time. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, then, Kelsey Grammer makes a a brief cameo playing playing um, the same character from uh, part three. Right, and then after that, shortly after that, he you know turns his head, 
and notices a figure in, in a doorway. You know, uh, she's dressed in red, wearing a red dress, extremely red hair, it's long. And we only see her from the back. Oh, yes, we only see her from the back. So and... he's not quite sure who it is, but he does approach with caution. Yes, and at this point, when he keeps approaching, he just decides to call out a random name, and of course he calls out Jean, which cues her to look over and then, you know, says hi, and then he approaches her, you know, extends a hand out, and then what happens? Cyclops shows up out of nowhere, you know, my favorite superhero, the one that died in X3, which, of course, was really stupid. <laughs> he's all like, of course he's whoa, that. whoa there, buddy. Yeah, of course I would do that. So he's, you know, he's, he, he basically, uh, yeah, he stops, he stops Logan from touching his, his girl, and he's just like, whoa, buddy, you know. Yeah. And then, uh, so he goes, uh, Wolverine goes, you know, something's never changed, and then Cyclops is a little weirded out by that comment, and he's just like, okay, I'm just gonna walk away now. So he walks off. And then, um, Gene walks off as well, and then he turns to see who's in the room, and it's Xavier. Yeah, and he's all nonchalant about everything, too. It's just kind of like, you know, shouldn't you be teaching history? And Logan's just like, teaching, history. So Logan's apparently a teacher, and Professor X is just kind of, you know, just kind of the way we kind of remember him. But Logan does drop a line that, uh, you know, uh, speaking of history, you know, we got a lot of catching up to do, blah, 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 kind of drops the uh, 1973 thing. And then you see the expression on uh, Professor X's face. He knows. He knows what's up. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, what's interesting is because in the beginning of the movie, Kitty Pride says that all the changes made, you're the only one that's going to remember the, the past. But here it is, Professor X, you know, he remembers, so he knows. And uh, the movie basically ends with, um, you know, they're about to uh, kind of fill, fill Logan in uh, what's, what's happened over the years. Yes. Was that pretty much it? That's, that was pretty much it, yes. Okay. Um, Phil, do you want to talk about the uh, the uh, post-credit scene? Yes. Uh, actually, a lot of people didn't even seem to know this, but again, that's because a lot of the people that um, were watching the movie are casual fans. Like hey, real quick, before it. before you get into that, um, how, how many people in your theater, would you say, percentage-wise, got up and walked out during the credits? Uh, at least half. It it wasn't too full. Like like the theater was maybe about seventy five percent full, but half of that, you know, half of the people that were there at least left, and everybody else stayed. Isn't that crazy? I mean, yeah. You, like how many Marvel movies has come out, and like you still don't get it. But you know, granted, we watched a pretty late showing. I don't know what time yours movie was, but ours was at ten. Ours was ten forty, so we definitely wow. got out around like one twenty something. Yeah. Yeah. See, so you, yours was even later than mine. Um. So ours was at 10, and same thing. Ours is about 75% full, and uh, during the credits... Well, first off, people were waiting for like a mid-credit uh, mid scene, which they didn't get. And that's yeah. when like half the theater left. I'm like, you kidding me? You gotta wait for the entire, you know, the end sequence. So half the theater left, then the other half stayed. Alright, so as I was trying to say, um, a lot of the fans of the you know series are casual fans, so, you know, not many of them keep up with the comic books or even know too much about the comic books, and what they do know is strictly from what they've seen, you know, in the movies, which is not different than, you know, watching the Harry Potter series or the Hunger Games series, you know, things like that. Uh, so, because I, you know, grew up with the cartoons and have kind of wiki things here and there, you know, out of both curiosity and because, you know, I, 
I'm a huge fan of X-Men. Um, I knew who it was right off the bat. You know, it was, uh, it, you know, it shows, it shows Egypt. Um, there's not a particular timeline. I assume it's, you know, the present day when Wolverine had woken up. It's um, uh, ancient Egypt. Ancient Egypt. Yeah. Okay, so I guess it's in the past, but... Um, yeah, because they're showing that uh, the the pyramids are being built, which was another phenomenon too. That they're just saying like, how were these built? They couldn't have been made by people. They've always kind of alluded to that maybe it was like aliens or something. So we kind of get to see a mutant creating the pyramids. So another kind of um, uh, thing about the past there. And what happens here though, like you know, we're we're seeing the pyramids being created, and it's very Tetrisy. Like you know, there's different blocks and stuff, and they're being rotated out in and out, and they're just being piled upon, you know, further into pyramid shape, and it's you, know, you just see one hooded cloaked guy, or figure rather, not even a guy, but um, you know, it's some shaman thing, person, whatever you want to call it, and he's just, he's the one that's controlling all these blocks that are, you know, forming the pyramid and then it slowly eventually, uh, the camera shifts to the front side of this character, and you see like a extremely pale skinned character and right off the bat, I knew that it was Apocalypse because he is a pale-skinned character. And, you know, he had a lot to do with Egypt and um, whatnot. So what happens there is that, you know, a lot of people, when when that scene was playing, like, even even some of the people that I was, I was with, they were like, you know, we stayed for the end credits for that. And then, like, you know, some people didn't even know who that was. They didn't know what to make of it. They're just like, oh, okay. For for us, uh, I knew it was Apocalypse right off the bat too, but there was somebody in the front row who was like, it was Apocalypse, and the whole class, or theater kind of laughed and, you know, kind of verified. Yeah, I guess, I guess it depends on location, but um, a lot of people, like I said, you know, they didn't know who it was. And it's the same for when we saw the Avengers. Um, you know, at the very end, we see this alien-like figure, and I knew it was Thanos, but you know, again, a lot of the people didn't know who that was. All right, so that's basically the end of the movie. Uh, so, uh, again, all three of us recommended, but uh, Phil, what me and Phoenix do, we give uh, five-star ratings. Um, and do you want to lead off with uh, what you give this movie? Five-star ratings, I, I would definitely give it a high four, maybe four point five. I wouldn't give it a five because... There was things that I personally nitpicked, but you know that's coming from a comic book fan, not a not a movie critic. Okay, Phoenix. Uh, four point seven five. Okay. I really liked it, but it wasn't perfect. Yeah. Um. I wouldn't know what would make it perfect. I actually, um, I I did have a few things that I personally thought they could have done. Um, but it's it's just very minor things. Like I think, I think they could have focused a little a little bit more in the future, like show more than just you know this is what's going on. Please change it that's pretty much what it was uh i think they should have gone a little bit more in depth but that probably would have drawn the movie a little bit more because it only showed deaths in the future right yeah 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 because i mean the future did get changed and that's what we saw at the very end when wolverine woke up but um you know i think i think they could have had a little bit more character interaction because literally what you know every time they showed anything in the future it was it was either them trying to uh, maintain Wolverine's consciousness or, you know, the X-Men dying. Because, I mean, that's literally what it was. So we didn't really see anything much other than that. Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to give it also, uh, I think I liked it a little bit more than you. Um, I'm going to give it a 4.75, so four and three quarters, uh, nearly a five. Um, you know, uh, I wouldn't say it's a perfect movie, but I really didn't have anything that I had uh, um, that I disliked. I didn't have any nitpicks, really. I really enjoyed it. I found it uh, very entertaining. I found it very funny. I liked all the characters. I liked the interactions between... Uh, well, I, I like the scene where um, uh, James McAvoy, who plays the, the young uh, Professor X, and Patrick Stewart, the older uh, Professor X, well, I like their interaction. And there was this scene, uh, there was this part where uh, James McAvoy, just his expression, and he was in tears. Uh, I just thought he did a really, really good job. Uh, Michael Fassbender, who plays the young Magneto. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. So overall, I think it was a very, very solid movie. Uh, I, uh, I'd i go watch it again in the theater. And, and that's not too many movies I, I can say that with. Uh, so I think a 475 uh, would do it for me. Yeah. Uh, Actually, um, I'm a little with you on that. I wouldn't mind seeing it again just to see if you know I, I may have missed something. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, some movies you can be like, yeah, I'll just wait to see it uh, the second time when it releases. But I'll say, hey, uh, you know, if somebody wanted to go watch it again now, I'd go. Um, so yeah. I think uh, 475 is pretty good for me. Um, any uh, last comments about anything, anyone? I mean, like I said in the very beginning, you know, just don't expect too much from the movie and like it for what it is because then you'll enjoy it just as much as we did. All right. Uh, and let me see here. We don't have any new reviews or anything like that. This is a bonus cast, so we're not going to um, get into any listener listener feedback, but again, we don't have any. I would like to invite everyone to go to our Facebook page, Hydrate Level 4. Give us a like. That way you can get uh, any updates that we'll have. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You can follow us at HLF Podcast. And you can email us at hlfpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on any of the movies that we've reviewed, um, uh, whether it's X-Men, Godzilla, Amazing Spider-Man, uh, especially uh, Godzilla. I definitely want to hear other people's opinions. Was that good? Uh, Godzilla. You liked it? I did. I Me. liked it. But uh, you, you got to uh, listen to my review for more information there, brother. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, because I mean... Your your reviews kind of have some spoilers in there. Yeah, you're right. There is spoilers. Yeah, so so don't check that out. Then I guess. Uh, <laughs> but I, I did like it. Um, I one thing I did throw out is people can can wait for the home release. Um, so. Um, from what I gathered, uh, this this is with me speaking to a lot of people. They said that. Um, it's definitely better than you know the 2000 Godzilla movie. Um, it focuses more on the Japanese Godzilla than, you know, a, a random creature that just happens to be living out in the uh, waters. Uh, if you're into kaiju, you know, you'll definitely like the movie. If you like Pacific Rim, you'll also definitely like the movie. Uh, I mean, that's... You know, I'm, I'm into both. So, I mean, I like kaiju. I like Pacific Rim. That was, that was an amazing movie to me. I don't know if you feel the same way. So, I mean... I personally still would like to watch Godzilla in the theaters, but I wouldn't mind waiting either. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Phil, I'd like to thank you for joining us for this bonus uh, podcast of X-Men Days of Future Past. And until the next episode, I'm Peter. I'm Phoenix. And I'm Phil. And we're Hydrate Level 4.